Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He was already the third uh, killing that I covered that night. Huh? We came there almost at 1, 1 a.m. Yan po si Rafi Lerma, isang freelance photojournalist. Just going to the scene, alam ko na na may malakas na literato. Because rarely would you see yung family member inside the police line. Eh. And Jeneline, yung partner ni Michael Sharon, uh, who was a pedicab driver and alleged drug pusher, she was inside the police cordon. She was grieving. There was a policeman outside police cordon. And I asked him, Tay nyo tulungan. And he just said, um, Patay na siya. We just have to wait for the Soko team. She was shouting at us to stop taking photographs already. You were just sa labas ng police line. And wala kayo magawa. So, yung mga sinabi niya, I think it resonates eh. It resonates until now. Ano yung sinabi niya? Tulungan niyo kami. Hello, ako po si Robbie Alampay. Ito po ang Tukhang sa Tukhang. Apat na taon na po ang Tukhang campaign ni President Rodrigo Duterte. And you know by now, if you've listened to our first three episodes, kinukumusta natin ang War on Drugs. Yung nagsasalita po kanina, si Rafi Lerma. Isang freelance photojournalist. Maraming kwento yan. But we will tell you his story later. And that of his colleagues. Kasi in this episode 4, we check in on the media, the press, and the journalists like Rafi, and the very environment in which they must operate to chronicle and tell the story of one of the Philippines' bloodiest chapters in decades. Dito sa gera na Pag binanggit ang tukhang, whether it triggers positive or negative sentiments, there are certain images that flash in our minds. My God, I hate drugs. President Duterte, siyempre. CCTV footage siguro of the countless police and pedea raids in communities. News reports of the same, mga drug paraphernalia that were confiscated, mga drug lord at drug pusher na pinarada sa media, mga lamay sa barangay, mga mahihirap na barangay. Maybe you even have some scene or image in your mind of victims. The student Kian de los Santos being led by policemen to his execution in some dark corner just a hundred meters from his house. But as strong as they are in your head, malamang by now the pictures are not necessarily that sharp. Halimbawa si Kian, tanda mo yung CCTV, but do you remember his face? The police and the agents you recall, maliban sa nakabonet, what can you describe? Even President Duterte's press conferences and most controversial statements, where exactly did he utter those words? I'm telling the Filipino people, wag ako. Sa ang stage, o press kono ambush interview ba yun? It's gonna be bloody. 
Pero may isang imahe, may isang litrato that very early on became a powerful symbol of what lay ahead and what did come to pass. Alam mo yun, front page ng Philippine Daily Inquirer, eksenang gabi sa EDSA, a crowd surrounds a dead man and his wife. He is an alleged drug dealer and his lifeless body is awkwardly propped up on the asphalt as it is cradled, literally dead weight, by his wife. The picture is so powerful, the composition so familiar that many people, including government-owned stations, simply called it Kanina sabi natin, you remember the stories, pero lumabo na ang pictures. But this photograph that appeared on the front page of the Inquirer, baliktad. You can picture it, but do you know the story? Balikan natin si Rafi Lerma. I never called it Pieta. People called it Pieta. Um, the way she was cradling on, holding on to her husband was also powerful in itself. Yung emotion dun sa face niya. It was also appropriate to uh, people called it Pieta. It's an Italian word for uh, pity. of course, was not the word on President Duterte's mind when he saw the photograph. Here's how he described it in his very first State of the Nation address in July 2016, four years ago. And you are portrayed in a broadsheet na parang Mother Mary cradling the dead cadaver of Jesus Christ. Ayan yung mga yan eh. Magdadramahan tayo dito. Dito ang nakatingin. Kasi well, yung na-mention siya sa SONA, yung first state of the nation address, I'm surprised. Sana binigyan na lang ng dignidad yung family rin. They're already grieving. was a long edsa and there were so many people just there staring corner siya ng yung rotonda ng edsa rotonda sa pasay northbound and sa ilalim lang siya ng LRT pero yun nga the time na binaril siya uh, hindi pa siya tinakbo sa sa hospital so that's why Jeneline was inside the police cordon. Because he, she told me later on, she wanted to feel uh, if her husband was still warm. They just live, wala pang isang kilometro from where the crime scene happened. And Jeneline told me when she first found out, she ran barefoot. Tumakbo siya, papunta kay Michael. Uh, may dumating daw na riding in tandem. That was the first report coming from the police, huh? riding in tandem gunmen. They just came and shot him. I think sa ulo yung isa, sa likod. I had two camera bodies. One had a wide lens and the other one had a telephoto lens. There were media lights, ilaw ng mga sasakyan, may flashlights. Ang police ba may sariling ilaw? Meron silang ilaw sometimes. Sometimes nga, uh, ginagamit nila yung lights ng sasakyan nila to illuminate the scene. Actually, hindi ko napansin first. There was a cardboard also. I couldn't read it properly kasi nakatupi siya. But later on, yung umakit ako doon sa footbridge, uh, nabasa ko. Nakasulat doon. Drug pusher ako, bagtularan. Paano nagkakaroon ng karatula? 
Magic? Rafi retweeted his photograph last July 23. It was the fourth anniversary of Michael Sharon's death, the fourth anniversary of what is arguably the most famous picture he ever took. Put another way, yung litratong yun, it reminded Rafi and it reminded the public that he, we all, have been watching for four years now. And for a long time now, Rafi says he has felt the strain not just of the war, but of covering its effects and fallout. It has become tiring, at moments, deflating. Sobrang uh, yung fatigue covering all these killings. And I mean, it's the same story ng laban, patay, riding in tandem. Pero kailangan natin bigyan ng context din eh. Yun nga, before Duterte came, marami ng patayan dati. Imagine, I've covered the night shift back in 2007, then another year again in 2016 when all the drug war was happening. And for what? Rafi wonders if four years of covering has made people think or if it has only desensitized people to the blood and violence. Let's face it, minsan, yung reporting rin natin, maybe naging problema rin siya. It is already normal, di ba? Hindi dapat to normal eh. Nakikita mo yung maraming tao, nakikiusyoso lang. Some are even laughing. There was one time nga talagang nag-snap ako eh. I had to reprimand some people because they were taking selfies. Near a dead body na parang tama ba yan? Selfie kayo. There was a time nakita mo pa may billboard. Di ba? An insecticide brand. Then nakalagay, nanlaban. Is this funny? I remember some Halloween and people were decorating their houses with garbage bags wrapped, imitating yung mga dead bodies dump. Nakakatawa ba ton? On top of the disillusionment, over four years, journalists have been made to feel not only ineffective, but even undesirable. Sabi ni Rafi, parang sila pa ang kalaban. Yung mga iba kong colleagues, I, I've seen the threats on social media. Nakalokot talaga. Alam mo naman ginagawa yung trabaho mo. The best way you can do it and you're still being attacked. I know yung mga iba, it's really low. Lalo na sa mga female journalists. Sobrang low yung attack. You know that. Do we know? The journalist behind Rappler, the online news site openly tagged by President Duterte as an enemy and target for closure, in a public campaign video, had Philippine reporters and editors speak on how they have been attacked on social media by Duterte supporters, even officials, and by what Rappler has documented to be an organized army of trolls, all because they reported and commented critically on how the war on drugs has been waged. Have you ever been harassed because of your work? Yes. Have you been threatened online? I oh. Have you been accused of being a communist operative? Yes. Have you been sexually harassed as a journalist? Yes. Have you been threatened with rape? Yes. Yes. No, not me, but my family. Rappler founder Maria Reza has become emblematic of the kinds of vitriol female journalists in particular have had to endure. Here she is speaking the at the DLD conference it, in 2020. Right? From there we go to the sexual attacks. Maybe Maria Ressa's dream is to become the ultimate porn star in a gangbang scene. 
then you get something like this on Rappler's Facebook page, make sure Maria Ressa gets publicly raped to death, it would bring joy to my heart. It's nothing off limits, Rafi asks. In the Hold the Line video, journalist Patricia Evangelista asks her colleague, broadcast newsman Ed Lingao. Has your family been threatened, harassed, or alluded to? Yes, uh, it has. Uh, specifically my daughter, when she died, uh, there were a lot of people who made fun of that. When his young daughter died, Troll said, it was karma. They said, they deserved it. Many veteran Filipino journalists will say they have literally seen and covered everything. But with a war on drugs, they say, ibang klase pa rin to. Stressful eh. Stressful kung mabasa mo araw-araw na minumura ka o kinikwestiyon yung credibility mo. Kaya paano may impact din sa'yo. Although, this is Manny Mogato, a former reporter for Reuters. A veteran Filipino journalist who has covered everything from wars to revolutions and downfalls of presidents, Manny won a Pulitzer Prize with Reuters. And he won it with his team, the most prestigious prize in journalism worldwide for work that they did covering President Duterte's war on drugs, the deaths attributed to that bloody campaign, and a pattern that centered on a particular group of policemen recruited and organized from the president's home province of Davao. So, yung una, ang stories namin, parang narrative lang, no? mga napapatay, sino yung napapatay, bakit napapatay, ano yung background nila, bakit ginagawa yan. Nag-start siya ng April 2016, di ba, eleksyon, until December ng 2017. Tapos, lumalabas dun sa mga daily stories na aside from the police operation na in self-defense napatay ng police maraming pang mga vigilante na mga patay na nakikita lang yung bodies so pinit namin inaalam kung may vigilante o wala hanggang natumbok namin na meron palang grupo ng police galing Dabao na in-import to be assigned in Manila nung na-identify namin sino-sino yung mga police nilabas namin istorya no, double voice. Itong grupo ng polis ito, marami silang operations na involved sila, no? marami mga patay. Yung mga report, napakasa namin na pare-pare sa pangalan ng polis na involved. Ang kasama ko, dalawang foreigner, si Andrew Marshall at si... Claire Baldwin. Mayroon kami stringer sa Central Luzon na ginamit para ma-interview nga to si Major. Tinignan namin, more than 100 bodies na, na papatay nasa Payatas area. Inalap namin, sino yung mga nandun, nalaman namin na yung mga polis ay bagong assign dun sa lugar na yun. Galing nga ng Dabao. Yung kanilang commander, eh, ang ganda pangalan, Si Major Lito Patay. Ganda, di ba? It was that series on the Davao Boys and the drug war in general that would win awards and praise for the Reuters team. 
but it came with high risks and very real cost. Nung lumabas na istorya, di siya happy, siyempre. So yung stringer, nagtaguyan for a month sa Visayas. We were attacked online. Sa Reuters at that time, it was the first. Hindi pa taong-sutralos dun eh. So kami sa Pilipinas ang unang naging biktima kasi naging viral eh. In one hour, parang ang comments na sasabi na tapos kayo matokhang. Yung picture namin ng kasama ko, si Karen, eh, nasa Facebook, eh, para bang mga yung Rose Gallery, <laughs> yung mga wanted, yun. Yung nag-upload ng mga pictures namin, isang empleyado ng NBI. Ang mas nakatakot na comment ay galing sa isang opisyal ng gobyerno. Isang prosecutor ng Kaloocan City. Ang sinabi niya na dapat kami maparusahan, makasuhan, sa ginagawa namin. It's coming from an official na nasa gobyerno. So talagang medyo may chilling effect, di ba? Hindi lang sa Facebook sinabi ni prosecutor. Sa radio, sinasabi niya uh, on air. Mas nakatakot yun. Over the decades, he has been a journalist. Manny says his wife was used to seeing him go off to cover riots, protests, coups, wars, disasters, the aftermath even of terroristic events. But now, she was genuinely concerned. Nakita niya kasi, yung mga warnings dun sa Facebook na nabasa niya, ang wala niya baka may siraulong gawing totoo yung warning, no? Na, oh, mag-ikat ka! Baka may siraulong, di mo alam, baka sinisohin. Over the past four years, it has not just been on media, social media, nor their workspaces and homes that individual journalists have been harassed. On a higher level, their organizations and their entire sector have been officially attacked. In an interview with PBS, Maria Reza summed up what she said amounts to Absolutely. a squeeze. You know, the first is really when we saw in 2016 the weaponization of social media. So the attacks are coming exponentially bottom up. And then it comes top down by weaponizing the law. The law is the tip of the arrow that is used to, to attack perceived critics. I'm not a critical journalist in the sense that I didn't set out. The truth is, whatever you think of the war on drugs, the thousands of lives that have been lost to it, Mr. Duterte himself warned us of what was coming. Here he is speaking with Rappler's Reza more than half a year before his successful run for Malacanang. I told you to avoid me. I'm telling the Filipino people, wag ako, it's gonna be bloody. It did not take long for Duterte and Tokhang to not only dominate the news, but to be a genuine force not just in politics, but culture. His language and demeanor started creeping into the Filipino psyche, and Rafi says along with the deaths, that became part of the story journalists were capturing and taking note of. You can remember one karinderia sa Malabon, it was named Tokhang Sizzlers. And you had the menu, binalot na ganito, sinakong ganito, Hindi dapat to normal eh. Ito pa ang gusto natin, society natin? Ito ba ang gusto ninyo? Ito po ba ang gusto ninyo maging halimbawa para sa amin? That question, is this what we want? 
was in fact echoed by every candidate who ran and lost against Duterte in 2016. The violence framed not only in his reputation, but in his words, was the very point of a political advertisement that ran just days before the elections that would sweep Mr. Duterte into power. Ganto ba ang gusto nyo? Kayo ang patayin ko! Patayin ko Mali po ang pumatay! Napakaganda! Dapat ang mayor muna ang mauna! Mali po mambastos ng babae! That ad would encapsulate the anxiety and discomfort Filipinos had with what was to come in terms of the war on drugs. It would also be central to recapping Mr. Duterte's adversarial relationship with the media. The campaign team of then-candidate Duterte successfully petitioned a judge in Taguig, the bailiwick of his vice presidential running mate, Alan Peter Cayetano, to block the ad from the airwaves. Opposition Senator Antonio Trillanes called the restraining order, quote, the first ominous sign of the things to come under a Duterte presidency. In fact, it became the first step to dismantling one of the Philippines' oldest, biggest, and most influential media companies, ABS-CBN. In President Duterte's first State of the Nation address, that same nationally televised, constitutionally required message to the Filipino people, that same speech, where linait at nanggagalaiti siya sa kadramahan over Rafi Lerma's picture, he also pledged to uphold press freedom and respect journalists. Among other things, the President vowed to run a government transparent in all its actions. On freedom of information. To put a stop to a rash of media killings that has made the Philippines a notorious place to be a journalist since the 1980s. Drafting the administrative order on the task force on media killings. And above all, Mr. Duterte pledged, This government does not condone violence and repression of media. The bona fide media has always been our partner for change. Certainly good and welcome words to hear, even reassuring. But the President was also quick to qualify. Kaya mawawala na po sa ere ang ating ABS-CBN. That's Carlo Katigbak, CEO of ABS-CBN. Ginawa na po namin ang lahat ng requirement para sa renewal at wala rin po kaming nilabag na batas. Pati po ang Kongreso na ayon sa In batas May 2020, Katigbak announced that government had put the plug on its broadcasts. Its 25-year franchise lapsed and in July, Congress had officially rejected an application for renewal. Ipinakita at kristyonigo ang pag-ere ng political ad na nagpapakita ng mga bata na nagbibigay ng reaksyon. For all its power and influence, ABS-CBN's fortunes were not unexpected. Quite the opposite. As he had with Filipino voters, Duterte had warned the network as soon as he became president. Ang inyong franchise, if you are expecting na marinyo yan, I'm sorry. You're out. I will see to it that you're out. Now that ABS-CBN is off the airwaves, its fate is emblematic of the larger, highly charged atmosphere 
An environment critics say that over the entire Duterte incumbency has been intolerant of criticism and dissent and that has hung over the Philippine media, the press, and journalists ever since he became president and launched his controversial platform to create a drug-free and crime-free Philippines at any and all cost. And through it all, Filipino journalists say they simply have to keep working. I could have walked away. I could have stopped with this photograph. But hindi eh. Talagang pinuntaan ko rin. I mean, I have the photo here of also where they live. It was a shanty house. And it's not a street full of garbage. It was a creek full of garbage. And they'd live there. Sorry to say, they lived like a rat. And they were their so-called drug pushers. Many of these families living the Esteros, they were relocated, taken out, and kasama sila doon sa mga talagang pinupush ng society away. Uh, wala naman silang tamang tirahan. And sometimes, yes, these people are being pushed to survive. I'm not saying na tama yung ginagawa niya, but if you don't give people the opportunity then they will always be looked down upon by society. Why are they being killed? It's hard enough being a journalist even in the most normal of times. The pay is low, the work hours are terrible, sometimes non-stop, and sometimes it can seem everybody hates you. And you wonder, is anybody even listening? Tinanong ko si Rafi at si Manny, what keeps them and other journalists going? Because yung drive ko, it's not just Michael Shun, he's just one. He's just one out of the thousands who were killed. Yes, it did get the attention and it brought about yung issue. It caused, yun nga, yung uh, people to talk about the killings and the drug war. But he's just one out of the thousands who were killed. It's very difficult. It's very dangerous, very risky. Pero in the end, very rewarding siya, no? Personally, may satisfaction kapag uh, may nagawa kang mabuti sa kapwa mo. No? Makatulong ka pag may na-expose ka na kamalian sa lipunan. Kasi sa dami na rin na kinover mo, people ask you, what's the most uh, memorable coverage? Well, of course, many of the photojournalists will always put yung premium to danger areas, disasters. But for me, hindi Actually, it's the people you meet. It's the experiences along the way. Uh, I remember this doctor sa barrio. It was in Mindoro. He happened just to pass by. He was bringing down this mangyan who was really sick. And he was doon sa loob-looba ng bundok and he was part of the team carrying down to the sabayan para pagalingin and I knew this doctor was educated I knew he could do everything but he chose that profession At sobrang marangal yun para sa akin 
Well, yung na-mention siya sa sauna, I felt that the photograph reached the person it had to reach. And that was the president. And by him saying that during his first State of the Nation address, gave the photograph a life of its own. To be sure, whatever cloud they operate under, that has not gone away. Some of our colleagues in the night shift who have been exposed to killings, they've been doing it for what? 10, 20, 30 years? Dapat meron silang mental health program sa journalists, especially sa Pilipinas, covering conflicts, disaster, war on drugs. There have been, but it's limited to the big media organizations. I think we have to scale it up. Manny Mugato, you won't find him on Facebook anymore. Well, at least, hindi sa tunay niya pangalan. He has a new name. Born initially of the concern Reuters had for his safety, but then it was tempered by his experience, and now it's both an inside joke as well as one could say, his nom de guerre. So, ako, para hindi na makikita yung pangalan ko, pinata ko nga ng karakter ni Coco Martin, yung account ko, na si Ricardo Dalisay, na hanggang ngayon hindi ko na mapalitan. <laughs> Teka, si Ricardo Dalisay, para malaman na lahat, eh, yan yung karakter ni Coco Martin, dun sa very popular na ang probinsyano sa Channel 2. Na matagal na, limang taon na tayo. No? Si Ricardo Dalisay hindi mamamatay. Hindi, dami buhay eh. Anli. <laughs> Ako si Superman Pagkasama kita In the next episode, we will talk about the police. Kamusta yung relationship niya sa police? Well, let's face it, yung first part ng drug war 2016, most of the information were coming from the police. They were still tipping us uh, where the crime scenes are. May mamatignan tayo mga police, pero yung mga iba sa kanila nagwagawa ng mali, sinisira yung buong institution nila. Muli, ito po ang Tokhang sa Tokhang. Ako po si Robbie Alampay. Episode 4 was produced and written by Trisha Aquino with research from Kat Ventura and Nin Sapalo. It was edited by Mark Casillian. The music you've been hearing is from the Collateral Rap Album by Calix and Balakid. We're using this with their permission. Don't miss the next episodes of Tokhang sa Tokhang. And if you have not yet, please do listen to the first episodes. Subscribe to Tokhang sa Tokhang and to Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maraming salamat po. Ganun 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 